0: Hi Faith Church, welcome to another week of worship at home. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in with us uh, to worship with us even though we are all apart. Uh, also a big shout out to our missionaries both back on temporary furlough and around the world who are tuning in. Uh, it's awesome that you guys get to worship with us and be a part of the Faith Church body in a, in a more real way in this sense. So uh, thanks for tuning in. You know this is our third week in our Life in the Spirit series. And today, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Not them individually, but as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to start by,
1: as I was, you know, studying for this sermon, I kept remembering a traumatic moment in my high school life where it was made abundantly clear to me that the fruit of the Spirit were not necessarily evident in my life at that moment. I was doing chores with one of my brothers, it was my youngest brother and my mom, and we were raking out leaves, right? And we had two rakes, and one of them was this old rickety one with a metal handle, and the other one was this new, nice one with a foam handle. Mm. And my brother was using the foam handle one, and when he set it down, I grabbed it and started using it, and when he came back, he was like, that was my rake, and we started arguing, and we ended up fighting, and I'm fairly certain we came to blows, that I prevailed, and that my mother looked at me and said, I thought you said you were a Christian. Mm. I bet that cut deep. Yeah, that did cut <laughs> deep. Uh, that cut really deep. And it, it's, it was one of those um, moments where I understood why we use the word hypocrite, to mm. refer to somebody who says, you know, they have these beliefs, but their beliefs don't match their behavior. Mm. Actually, right now would be a great time uh, for all the kids that are watching to pause the video and ask your parents to tell you about a time that their beliefs didn't match their behavior. Uh, because this isn't just a kid thing. This is something you know, all of us wrestle with. And yeah. this is why we're studying the fruit of the Spirit, because we want to see how do we grow in our beliefs transforming our behavior, our behavior yeah. matching our beliefs, right? Yeah. I think a big part of the problem is that beliefs don't automatically equate to changed behavior. Right, right. You know, we may believe God loves us, Jesus gave himself for us, and be just as messed up and anxious and despairing as anybody else. We have to do something with those beliefs uh, to drive them into our hearts to result in change behavior. They have to target something even deeper within us, and it's what we love most. But we're going to come back to that at the end.
0: All right, Joey, so we can establish or maybe agree on the fact that our behaviors don't always line up with what we right. profess to believe. Um, why is that not automatic? Like, why, why is it so difficult for our behaviors to line up with what we say believe? That when we place our faith in Christ, it's not just this automatic change, yeah, but it's it, something that maybe we wrestle with for a long time. N.T. Wright says this, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, just
1: because you live in the Spirit, that doesn't make following the Spirit's direction Automatic, right? And that's what we've seen in Galatians five—that we both are living in the Spirit and led by the Spirit, and we have to choose to walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. This is what Wright's saying: you have to choose to do that, uh, and you can. And so, how how we sort of see where we're going and and how we're growing is measured by the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, that's what this series, Life in the Spirit, is is all about. It's about choosing to participate with the Holy Spirit in the work that He's doing in our lives. Uh, it's about that slow, gradual, incremental process of growth in virtue, in spiritual fruit, to use yeah. Paul's word for it. Yeah. So let me pull up the, uh, the schedule here. Uh, so you can see this week we're talking about fruit of the Spirit, and then we're actually going to spend time Every, you know, one a week for the next nine weeks, talking about each of the, what I'm calling the nine flavors of Mm. the one fruit of the Spirit. And I'm guessing
0: you're going to get to that a little bit later as to why it's the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruits, plural, of the Spirit. So we'll get to that. So today
1: we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit, the nine flavors, contrast them with the works of the flesh. So uh, this morning we're looking at three main headings, flesh, fruit, and flavors. All right. Like the alliteration there. I love it. Flesh fruit, and flavors. And there's one thing I want you to remember from this morning. It's this, that the Holy Spirit, because of our new life in Christ, our life in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit grows in us one fruit with nine flavors.
0: All right. One fruit fruit.
1: with nine flavors. Nine flavors. (laughs) Yes, Remember that. Right. One fruit with nine flavors. But before we get to the fruit and the flavors... We're starting with the flesh. Let's start with the flesh. Look at uh, Galatians 5.19. It's, it's right here in the middle of this paragraph that we've we've been going back to over and over the, the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's... In this paragraph, Paul is, is contrasting the way of life that's kept in step with the Spirit with the way of life that gives into the desires or the, the over-desires of the sinful nature. So in 519, he says, now, the works of the sinful nature, or the flesh, yeah. so he's using the word flesh, and we talked about this the last couple weeks, that means my sinful nature within me right. are evident. And then he gives a list. Now, in this list, and, and we can read it real quick, it's... it's Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, envy There's 15 different things, I think, if I did the math right. Okay. 15 different things, four different categories. Right, the first three have to do with looking for intimacy in wrong ways. Okay. Uh, two have to do with religious, uh, like ways to, to kind of mess up religion or worship. Uh, the last two are typically pagan. They're kind of the things that, it's, it's, oh, well, those pagans without any morality do. Mm. But the eight in the middle, are social sins. They're the things that we do to each other. And and this isn't an exhaustive list. Right. Okay, so this isn't, you know, the 15 possible ways to sin, and if it's not on the list, then... It's okay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. it's a representative list. These are like the the types of sins. Okay. But Paul's point with this list isn't to catalog sins. It's to show the Galatians reading this letter... um, how deeply the sinf- their own sinful natures are being manifested in the church. Yeah. Okay. It's not like he's saying there are people out there who act like this, but we in the church are are led by the spirit and filled with the fruit. He's saying, you know, you guys have been fighting over and back and forth about the law and how it should be applied yeah. and look what that's led to. And he lists some of those things, right? You know what? Listen to uh, Eugene Peterson, his paraphrase of, yeah. of the Bible called The Message. He puts it this way. Uh, he says it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. About the, the selfish, self-centeredness that earlier in Galatians, Paul talks about being at the root of our sinful nature. Uh, repetitive, loveless, cheap intimacy. Uh, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. Mm. I could go on.
0: Yeah. When when you read it like that, it's much easier to see our own sinful nature and our own faults right. in that list. That maybe when we read it in the ESV and see sorcery, like, oh, I don't struggle with that. Right, right. But, that's not a problem. Yeah, but when we but hear... Magic
1: show religion? Yeah. Wanting yeah. God to show up and do big things so I know he's real? Yeah, yeah we see ourselves in, in the list. And, and, and that's scary because Paul goes on to say, after giving this list of sins that we all see ourselves in, he goes on to say that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God.
0: Wow. And that's not a scary statement at all, right? No,
1: no. Totally yeah, totally comforting. (laughs) But but I I do want to pause on this for a minute because I want to talk directly to the person who heard that list of sins and saw themselves in it. It's like oh my god, that's 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 me. Like I'm I I love Jesus and yet I keep doing these things. There's a great, there's a classic story about the the British 20th century British novelist Evelyn Waugh. Uh, oh yes, very yeah, right. familiar. That guy, with right? It. Yes. Yeah, he wrote we all Head Revisited*. He was a journalist. Blah blah blah. Anyway, <laughs> he uh, he was once at a party, at a dinner party. He was invited as a guest, and uh, there was another guest there that he was just incredibly rude to. Hmm. And his hostess called him out on it. She said, "How can you act that way and call yourself a Christian?" And his response is classic. He says, you have no idea how much nastier I would be if I were not a Christian. Ah, he says, without supernatural yeah. aid, I would hardly even be a human being. Mm. Okay? So th- put some perspective on put it. Put some perspective. Yeah, in yeah. other words, don't beat yourself up if you see yourself in this list of, of vices or sins, right? The point isn't that that's what bad people do and good people do this over here. The point is that people who are living life in the Spirit are less and less characterized by doing these things yeah habitually regularly continually uh, gleefully even yeah. right uh, look back at verse 21 that's that's galatians 5:21 that's where he said I, yeah i warn you as i warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god i, I highlighted the word do to emphasize like this word carries the flavor of do continually do habitually do yeah. joyfully Right.
0: So, well, Without remorse, maybe. Exactly. So yeah.
1: those who do the works of the sinful nature uh, and run to it and enjoy it and love it, it's like those who do that are should look at themselves and say, I may be giving evidence that I don't have the Spirit of God. Yeah. Because those who have the Spirit of God will be doing those things less frequently, less
0: often. Right? And with repentance without the joyfulness of running to those sins. So he's
1: not saying somebody who falls into one of these sins has now lost their salvation or something like that, because you can't. Uh, He's saying those who who give into these things but but repent and are remorseful and continually walk away from them are giving evidence that, yeah, the Spirit is still working on me and, and growing this fruit in me. But there's another group of people that I, I want to talk to directly, and that's, that's those who are maybe on the fringes or the edges of a Christian community, uh, or coming, you know, who were part of a Christian community growing up and then have come out of it and are saying, like, you know, I look at my, my Christian friends, and I look at my non-Christian friends, and my non-Christian friends seem to be so much better. Mm. Like, they have more fruit than my, than my Christian friends do, who supposedly love Jesus and are being transformed by the Spirit. Like, yeah. that... That by a lot of people is taken as evidence that, well, Christianity just can't be
0: true. Yeah. If non-believers are better people. And it's easy to look at a church and know people and say, well, you're, you're a hypocrite. Right. We're all hypocrites. Right. Because we're not loving the way we're supposed to, or we don't uh, forgive the way we're supposed to. Yeah. Or I yeah. feel
1: more love, more acceptance, more patience from people outside the church than I do right. from
0: people inside the
1: church. And if that is your experience, I mean, I, I feel... I feel for that person because I've experienced that too. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't automatically mean that that Christians are somehow doing things wrong. What, what it probably means is that... Because here's the thing. People start at different levels. Yeah. In terms of their ability to act in the ways that are socially, morally acceptable. Yeah. Okay. So a person who starts with and is raised with basically no ability to socially conform in morally acceptable ways, um, may be spiritually changed and still look much more deplorable than the person who has never been spiritually changed but has only learned to morally restrain their heart and hold themselves back through prideful self-control or whatever. Yeah. Right? Kind of like Evelyn Vaugh. I mean, he's saying, I started down here, and without Jesus, I would barely be human. Yeah. Well, a lot of people start way up here in terms of their ability to kind of keep the rules. And so they look so much more fruitful. But there is a huge difference. There's a huge difference between a spiritually changed heart, a new life, a heart that is living by the, the life of the Spirit. There's a huge difference between a spiritually changed heart and a morally restrained heart. Spiritually
0: changed and morally restrained That's a good distinction. They're not the same thing. Right, yeah, that distinction. We know a lot
1: of great people who are simply morally restrained. And that's great. Society doesn't work without morally restrained, unsaved people. Right, right. But that's not the same as being spiritually changed. And it doesn't really, you can't compare the two in terms of just looking at their external fruit. Only one is living the life in the spirit. Even if both are exhibiting the same kind of virtues or fruit that we would expect to see from a life in the Spirit. The spiritually changed person has actual life in the Spirit. So that's the flesh. Okay, right? yeah. But this new life will produce fruit. So let's, let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We've looked at the flesh. Let's move to its opposite, right? The All fruit. Right. Um, and by the way, did you notice Paul is mixing metaphors here? Right? He talks about the work of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit. It's like, why do you talk about the weeds of the flesh mm. and the fruit of the Spirit to keep it botanical? Right. And I think the difference is because the works of the sinful nature are things that you can do. The fruit of the Spirit is something that you open yourself up to, that you, you cultivate the environment in which the seed within you, the can Holy Spirit, grow. can grow. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So you do the works of the flesh the fruit of the Spirit grows within you because of your cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing about fruit. This is profound, so okay. get ready for I'm, I'm ready. It starts out very small. I know, right? <laughs> fruit <laughs> starts out very small, very difficult to detect. Go outside and see a tree that's flowering. There is fruit there whether you can see it or measure it or not. It's embryonic, but it's there. In fact, kids, take the remote, pause this right now, take your parents' phone, and run outside and take a picture of something that's flowering or something that's growing, something that eventually will fruit, and bring it back inside. And then make your parents, talking to you guys, post it on Facebook and tag at Faith Live it Out, so we can see what's growing in your yard. But the point I'm trying to make here is that if fruit starts tiny, imperceptible. It's yeah. there, But you can't see it. You you can't tell that it's there. And when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, when when the Holy Spirit sows new life in that person's heart, fruit is there. It's embryonic. It's it's infantile, but it's there, and it's growing. Even if, like everything right now, we're seeing blossoms, but we're not seeing fruit yet. Even if you can't see the fruit
0: it's the, growing. The process is there. The it's, process it's happening. is happening. Yeah. Right.
1: And even though the fruit is embryonic, uh, cultivating that fruit becomes our responsibility. That's how we participate with what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. As he is causing the growth, we cultivate the growth. And he Wright, and After You Believe, he says this so well. He says, these are the blossoms, those sort of first, um, first desires to change mm-hmm. are the blossoms. To get the fruit... You have to learn to be a gardener.
0: Yeah. So growth in the spirit isn't just for mature Christians. It's not just for new Christians, but it's for all Christians. Right, because we're all growing and beginning to grow the moment we become Christians. Right, but there's a little bit of a tension there that I feel like sometimes our growth in the spirit doesn't happen as quickly as we want it to, yeah. or we don't see the fruit as quickly as we want it to. Right, because the seeds are still germinating, and you can't yeah. see them. So a few days ago, I was working with our daughter, Hazel, to grow this grass. That She got this little grass growing kit from one of her teachers, and uh, you know, we put the dirt in this bowl, we put the seeds in, yeah. we watered it. The project was awesome, and I'm, I'm so thankful for her teacher for sending it, but nothing has happened yet. It's been days and the bowl is just sitting there on the windowsill. And every time she sees it, she's like, see, see, like she wants to see the grass grow. And every time it's just a bowl of dirt. So hopefully we didn't kill the grass and it will eventually grow. But I feel like sometimes we we might be like Hazel in that we want to, as soon as we plant the seed, we want to see it grow. And we don't always see that.
1: Yeah, we want immediate growth, or sometimes we're we're looking at other Christians who are bowls of dirt right now, and we're, yeah. we're like, how come you haven't grown like me? I mean, I know I've had 20 more years than you, but seriously, yeah. how come you haven't yeah. grown and shown this fruit yet? So, well, we're at, we're at different processes in this growth, but the point of using an organic metaphor uh, or a botanical metaphor that Paul uses is growth is it is gradual, but it's there, and it's inevitable. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, as he says, if you live by the Spirit, and he says we do as believers, then you will see growth in fruit. It may be, you may be, you know, a bowl of dirt for years, but that seed is germinating somehow, and it's beginning to grow, whether you see it or not. So be patient with yourself. Yeah. 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 So growth in the Spirit, it's gradual, it's it's mysterious it's sometimes invisible and you can really only see it uh when you come back over periods of time to measure it L- like those seeds right every day you're like i see nothing like but if you look now and you look in two weeks you'll be able to see measurable growth you can never stare at the seeds and watch them grow yeah <laughs> right you yeah. unless it's a time-lapse camera but yeah. even so you, you can measure it but you can't see it happening and I think some of us are being measured right now in quarantine. Yeah. Some of us are being measured and we're saying, you know what? Two years ago, I would have never been able to deal with this. I would not have been as patient. I would not have been as joyful as I am. Like this is the Holy, this can only be described as the Holy Spirit working in me. Yeah. Other of us are, others of us are being measured and saying, you know, I thought I'd been tested in the past, but this test is showing, okay, I've,
0: grown, but maybe not as much as I would have hoped. Yeah. So before we get to the flavors of the spirit, because we've talked about the flesh and fruit, why is it singular? Why is it the fruit of the spirit and not the fruits of the spirit? Right.
1: Yeah. It's a great question. And I brought it up here because I want to highlight this, that this is bad Greek grammar. Paul says fruit, singular, and then he lists nine of them. These are not nine distinct, distinguishable fruits, Okay. And now the gifts of the spirit, the gifts like healing and prophecy and speaking in tongues and some of those really you know, things we see in Acts and other places, like those gifts are distinguishable, individual, you can have one without having the others. Right. 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 The point of fruit being singular is that if you are growing in the fruit singular, you will
0: be growing in all nine flavors. And so we couldn't say, I'm a Christian, I'm growing in love, but I don't need to worry about self-control. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So look at
1: verses 22 and 23 where the lists are. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general, self-control, right? Against these things that there is no law. Um, you, most of us would look at that list and say, oh, well, I'm pretty loving, but I probably need to work on my self-control. Or like, I'm pretty patient and mm-hmm. kind, but maybe I need to work on my faithfulness especially if we understand faithfulness as reliability and the courage to to do the right thing under pressure. Yeah. It's okay, so maybe I have to have to work at those things. Maybe uh, maybe I'm good at peace. Right. I I'm, I'm fairly peaceful. Yeah. But what if I'm peaceful because I don't care
0: about anyone else? Or I don't care about myself. Or maybe I'm peaceful just because I Avoid conflict at yeah, all costs. Right, <laughs> right. right. Or, or maybe you're so loving
1: and joyful that uh, people love meeting you. You love meeting and making new friends. But you're so unreliable that you can't keep any of your friends. Mm. You're not faithful. Yeah. Right? So that, that's not good. That, that, if that's you, uh, you aren't spiritually joyful or spiritually uh, loving. You're just an extrovert. It's temperament, it's not yeah. spiritual fruit, right? Uh, or maybe kindness and goodness, right? You're like, I, I'm kind, I'm generous to people, uh, but you're kind and you're generous to people
0: because you want them or, or you need them to love you back. Yeah, right. So, so what you're saying is that maybe we might measure ourselves on the fruit of the Spirit and think we're doing okay, yeah. but it might be because we're measuring ourselves by our own standards.
1: Yeah and yeah and that we are we are still we may be let me put it this way we may be exhibiting the fruit of the spirit out of our sinful natures a lot of us we can naturally exhibit the fruit what looks like the fruit of the spirit but out of our own sinful selfish desires to be loved or accepted or you know brought into a group or to be respected
0: or yeah. something like that So Paul's point is that if we're growing in the fruit of the Spirit, singular fruit, we will exhibit in some ways all nine of the flavors.
1: Right. If you say, hey, I'm growing in gentleness and kindness, but you're not growing in the kind of faithfulness that is courageous. Yeah. um, Because you're just afraid of offending people. So you will never say a hard thing to someone. You'll just always be very, very kind and generous to them. Yeah. You're not growing in the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the spirit you will grow in all nine of these
0: flavors at the same time and more or less to the same degree so let's look at those nine flavors
1: okay but before we go to the flavors do you know what's not a fruit of the spirit character issues that paul describes in galatians 5:22 and 23 see competencies can be developed externally uh, character has to be grown uh, there's an internal development of uh, complexity yeah you know uh I, I recently stumbled upon a bunch of videos of our daughter anna when she was a baby and when she's yeah. like one year old two years old right? she's nine now okay and now that she's nine she's not just a nine years bigger version of a baby anna Right. Like, she's changed, she's developed, she's grown more complex as a, as a person, as an organism. Okay, right. you, can, you can make something bigger, like, you can make your skills bigger the same way you would make a pile of dirt bigger, by just throwing more dirt on it. Right. But that's not complex, organic development and growth. The fruit of the Spirit is, is a complex, organic growth uh, within us of these character traits. See, some of us are trying to grow our competencies and we're ignoring the growth of our character. We're, a, we're basically giant baby Christians. Mm. We've been Christians for 30 years and we're really good at making a difference for Jesus and our character is still infantile. Yeah. Which is not what Paul wants for us. It's not what a life that is walking or keeping in step with the Spirit looks like. So, the flavors, okay? Yeah. One fruit, nine flavors. Let's buzz through these flavors real quick. Love. right? Love heads the list. That makes sense. It's God's love shown to us in Jesus that we then show to other people. Uh, joy. This one's hard to define. My favorite definition of it is that joy is the, the feeling uh, that comes with the experience of being in the presence of the beloved, of the one that you love most above all.
0: That was... I really like that, but you said it really quickly, so I'm going to ask you to say it again. (laughs) It's the feeling we experience when we're in the presence of the beloved.
1: When when we're in the presence of the one that we love most of all. So the more we are actively before God, the more joy-filled we are, regardless of our circumstances. Peace, almost the opposite of anxiety. Uh, Peace is saying to God, I don't know what tomorrow holds,
0: so I'm fine. Because I know that you've got it taken care of. And it's almost a recognition that we have so little power to control Right, it. Right. If you think about it, the
1: person who's anxious about tomorrow thinks they're omnipotent. They, they know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, and it, and it makes them anxious. Uh, the truly peaceful person is the person who says, I have no idea what's happening tomorrow. That's where peace comes from, because God has it. Yeah. yeah. Love, joy, peace. Patience, right? Uh, patience is the quality of putting up with others. Uh, especially uh, or even when you're being severely tried. Uh, like right now. Like right now. The, yeah. um, if We don't use this word in English, but it's the opposite of short tempered. It's the long tempered person. Mm. The person who's patient is long tempered. Um, kindness. Kindness is, is a, oh man, it's such a great word. And when the Old Testament Psalms were translated into Greek, the word kindness replaced or, or was used for a word that we often go to good. Uh, in that context, so it's it's things like um, taste and see that the Lord is kind. Uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is kind. God is kind to the ungrateful and the ungenerous. So this is one of God's own qualities. It, kindness is when I act towards you the way God has acted towards me. Yeah, And, and goodness is sort of its flip side in that kindness is um, often... Uh, Passive, it's, okay, you do something to me, I'm kind in return. Goodness like proactively goes toward the other person to be kind towards them. Uh, Maybe generosity is another way to translate this word. Uh, Three more, faithfulness, probably better to translate this word more like reliability. This is the person who, what they say, they will do, they have the courage to do the right thing under pressure or when it's socially disadvantageous for them. The faithful person is the person who will die for their commitment to Christ. So we come to gentleness. Yeah, so gentleness is the person who is always angry when they should be and never angry when they shouldn't be. Sometimes it's translated meek. Uh, this is the person whose passionate response to, um, mis- or to, to injustice in the world is exactly fitting to the injustice that they see. They don't get too angry, and they also, you know, they get as angry as they should. They're not too angry or not angry enough. Their
0: passions exactly meet the situation that they're in. So by that definition, Jesus was acting in meekness or gentleness when he overturned the tables in the temple. Yeah, absolutely. He was being gentle to the to the money changers. He was being exactly as
1: angry as he should be. Yeah, yeah. And self-control is the last one. This is more about those... Um, passions that can kind of overwhelm us and carry us away, the more sort of physical or bodily passions, the self-controlled person is the person who can say to that passion, I hear you, but not now. It's not appropriate right now. So these nine flavors, this is what a, a life that has been claimed by Jesus Christ will look like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And with a rhetorical flourish, Paul says, I think you'll find that none of those things are against the law. Mm. He's saying to the Galatians, funny how we don't need a law to keep us from doing those things. That's what the law is supposed to produce in us, but yeah. can't.
0: Yeah. That's what a life that's claimed by Jesus looks like. All right. So we've looked at these nine flavors. Yeah, Now what?
1: How? Well, this is where we come back to that idea of we have to responsibly participate, partner with the Holy Spirit, with God in growing this in us. And, and again, right, NT Wright and After You Believe, because he's super helpful on this. He says that, that growth in the the growth in the ni- what he calls the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. He says growth in the ninefold fruit of the Spirit is both the gift of God and the result of making conscious decisions to cultivate this way of life and these habits of heart and mind. So how do we make these conscious decisions? Great question. Let's look at verse uh, 24. This is Galatians 5, 24. Uh, It says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. This is where I think the key is uh, in Paul's thinking to how we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Because there's two words here I really want to focus on. belong. And crucified. Here's the reason I'm focusing on this. If we don't know, if we don't deeply know that we already belong to Jesus unconditionally, that he loves us no matter what, that he died for us. If we don't know that we belong, we will not be able to crucify the flesh. Right? A lot of times we think: okay, if I could just crucify my flesh, if I could deny my sinful nature, remember the word flesh is there, is, is he's Sinful nature is what he's meaning. If I could just clean myself up, then I would know I belong.
0: Yeah, we might reverse the order. Exactly.
1: We're always trying to reverse the order. And Paul is very clear to say, those who already belong can crucify the flesh, the sinful nature. It's only as a, a real deep understanding of the love of God for us and our belonging, our adoption, into the family of God. It's only as that works its way into our hearts that we'll be able to crucify the sinful nature. See, that's belonging. Paul says those who belong to Christ, that's, that's us, yeah. have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and
0: its desires. So the other word you wanted to focus on was crucified. Right. Why does Paul use that word for us?
1: Yeah, sometimes it's translated put to death. They put to death. Here's what's interesting. Every other time Paul talks about us being crucified with Christ, it's passive. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and therefore the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me, right? It's, it's passive. It happened to us. I yeah. have been crucified with Christ. Yeah. Here it's active. He says, if you belong to Jesus, you have and you must continue to crucify the sinful nature. This is our parts, our active part of participating with what God is doing to grow the fruit of the Spirit in us with all nine flavors is to crucify the sinful nature, right? What we're being called to do is to look at our sinful nature, right, the core of who we are without God, uh, that we're still kind of holding on to and bringing into this new life and that's warring with the life of the Spirit that we talked about last week, is to look at that sinful nature with its desires, its desires that are all out of whack. It's over desires is the Greek word with his desires and his passions. And and to crucify it doesn't mean to just stop what you're doing. It means dial in, examine yourself like a gardener would, examine the desires of your heart and, and tell your heart, because of what Jesus has done for me, that is not the way my heart's gonna work anymore. Because Jesus gave himself for me, I am not, my heart is not going to go looking for what only Jesus can provide in all of these other places. Find the thing that your heart longs for more than God, and that's the desire that has to be crucified, that has to be put to death, that has to be given up. And it's a, it is a tough road to hoe. Yeah. Uh, no. No gardening, gardening pun, pun intended. intended. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. We, we have to say to our hearts, like your desire to be loved is leading me to do all sorts of things that I shouldn't do. And I so desperately want to be loved by other people that I know I am, I am doing things that hurt myself and hurt them and hurt my relationship with you. That is not the way my heart is going to work anymore we may have to, to say to our hearts, I mean, your longing for peace has led you to make decision after decision after decision that is all about looking out for number one, right? And you are so proud of the fact that you, you chose the right school and you got the right job and you chose the right spouse and the right retirement portfolio that, that you, know, you so arranged your circumstances so perfectly that you have nothing left to worry about except that it's all going to go away yeah and we have to say to our hearts, "All those things are not my security. God is my security." Right And we could go on and on with more uh, more examples. All of our grasping after connection and intimacy and love, all of our sort of uh, desire for beauty or for connection, they are all, they are all our soul's desire for Jesus being counterfeited by all these other things in the world.
0: So to crucify the flesh, to crucify the sinful nature, means to continually tell our hearts and remind ourselves right. that God is what is most important. Yeah. And whether it's uh, you know, an illegitimate love or peace or finding self-control or these other things out of our own sinful nature, right. we're reminding our hearts that no, God is the one who supplies our every need. So the question I think people have to ask
1: coming out of this morning in your
0: time of worship
1: with your family or friends or however you did it is, what are my ultimate desires? What's the ultimate desire that is pulling my heart, that is guiding my life, that is, that is dragging me towards it? Um, there are moments in my life, moments, short fleeting moments where that's Jesus, but most of my life is the slow, gradual process of crucifying and re-crucifying the same sinful desires over and over and over again. The desires for good things made ultimate so that Jesus can have that primacy of place. Yeah. The more beautiful he is in our lives, the more we will grow in the fruit of the Spirit.
0: Tough work. Do you want to pray for us? Yeah. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for giving of yourself, giving us your Holy Spirit to indwell within us. We thank you that we, even when we can't do it on our own, we know that you are growing this fruit within us. Father, I pray that you would help us to crucify our sinful natures, that we would remind our heart continually that which is most valuable, that which is um most important, and that is you uh, in being in your presence. Thank you for your word uh, that we have to be able to study and learn about how to grow, uh, how to uh, grow to love you more. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks for being with us this week. We will see you next week on Mother's Day for love. Love. You heard it here first.